Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. This episode of Beyond the Saddle is brought to you by The Ride Podcast. And today we feature Kaylee Klein of Magpie West Leather Co. Kaylee is a Western artist, self-taught leather worker, cowboy gal, mother, and ranch wife. She is the artist and owner behind Magpie West Leather Co., where she creates vibrant, one-of-a-kind tooled leather pieces. Kaylee lives on a large cow-calf operation on the Rocky Mountain front of Montana with her husband and young daughter. Kaylee, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. We sort of crossed paths at Art of the Cowgirl a year ago, so I'm super excited to bring you on the show today and find more about your craft. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I'm uh, super honored that you thought of Magpie West and um, really happy to be chatting with you today. Wonderful. Well, before we started recording, I asked you to prepare two truths and one lie. So go ahead and read those in any order, and I'm going to try to guess which one of those is your lie. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here we go. Um, When I was younger, I was dead set on being a tattoo artist when I grew up, number one. Uh, Number two, I was raised on a small purebred Hereford operation in Southern Oregon. Number three, I played collegiate polo competitively for Oregon State University for all four years that I went Ooh. to school there. Oh my gosh. Those are all good ones. I <laughs> Ooh, this is going to be tough. I'm going to say, just because it seems like the most mundane, I'm going to say that your lie is you, you weren't raised on a Hereford ranch. Oh, good one. You got that. It? Yes. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yep. You got the me. other two were too elaborate. I was like, she can't make this up. Those have to be true, which is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's where I went wrong there. But yeah, that's the lie. I was not raised on a ranch um, or in, you know, agriculture really uh, at all. You just fell in love with it as you kind of fell into other things in your life? Yeah, I did. Yep. Um, Just kind of fit. I fit into the scene there and I really discovered it in college. You know, I really didn't come from um, a cowboy family or a ranching family. I always did 4-H growing up. Um, so I guess I wasn't involved in ag a little bit, um, but not large scale agriculture like I am now. And yeah, I, you know, just something I fell in love with and I couldn't imagine life without it today. For sure. Okay. Talk to me about wanting to be a tattoo artist because that is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I actually still want to be a tattoo artist when I grow up. Um, <laughs> honestly, I just think it's such a cool craft and, um, I love the history behind it and the artistry that goes into it. And, um, it's just always really fascinated me. I, I love tattoos. I think they're such a cool way to, you know, express yourself and kind of show your, the roadmap of your life. So, um, yeah, I would love to learn how to tattoo, you know, legitimately one day. I think it'd be just so fun. That's pretty cool. I'm guessing then that you have a few spots yourself, some ink. Yes, I do. I have I have some ink and definitely some plans on getting some more, much to my parents' dismay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you played polo. That's super cool. My coworker, Annie, from the Ask Annie podcast also played polo. So I just think all people who play polo automatically are as cool as Annie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did play polo for Oregon State University um, for pretty much all four years that I went to school there. And it was one of the coolest, most fun things I've ever done horseback. Like it is up there. And it was, it was such a good time. I made some really good friends and learned a lot. Polo has a way of really toughening you up. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so it was just such a cool life experience. We traveled around all over the West Coast to different colleges and would go and stay with them and then play. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. I, I really miss polo. Such a cool team vibe. And just honestly, if you weren't a good rider before, like it's going to make you a heck of a good rider, like by force. Yeah, I say I like to joke and say that polo is like really great at teaching you like survival riding. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, there's just there's some horses that are, um, you know, can be tricky to get along with. And um, it's just such a high energy thing. And you just really have to like, think on your feet and be a very adaptable rider. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for that foundation because it's something that has helped me in my riding and, you know, the thing, different things I've done horseback throughout the years. I love it. Well, great. Well, that was perfect. Great opening. Um, <laughs> I'd love to jump into what your job is. So in your own words, Kaylee, tell us, what do you do? What's your job? Yeah. So um, I am a Western artist and leather worker. I own Magpie West Leather Co., I wear a lot of different hats in this job. I am um, first and foremost, you know, leather worker, designer, you know, marketer, shipping gal, you know, I kind of do it all. Um, I love my job. I'm full time. I'm in the shop five days a week. I do everything from, you know, handbags to spur straps to logos, tattoo designs. I just kind of encompasses a a wide range of unique things that kind of come to on the daily basis. All the things and all the beautiful things. Your work is so gorgeous. I'd love for you to just tell us like, what's the origin? Like, how did this whole thing get started? I love the origin stories. Yeah. And thank you, by the way. I, I really appreciate that. So I have been an artist my entire life. I was like that weird girl that just couldn't stop drawing horses in school, like on my math tests and stuff. Um, and I, uh, went to Oregon state university with my heart set on being a vet, like every horse girl, I'm a very artistically minded person. And so the math and science is, you know, really, it comes really hard for me. So, uh, I quickly realized that that probably wasn't going to work out in the big picture. So, um, I was an art major at Oregon state university and just never quite felt like I fit in. I don't know what it was exactly, but in the back of my mind, I always knew that I was going to be an independent artist somehow, whether it be, you know, part-time or full-time. I didn't actually didn't really expect to make a full-time living on it, but uh, <laughs> um, I always knew it was in my future. And I did not learn about leatherworking. I didn't really, I mean, I had done it like in Girl Scouts as a kid, you know, but, uh, you know, never really toyed around with it until I met my husband, I think junior year of college. He's a cowboy, uh, was a working cowboy, still a working cowboy. And he had dabbled a little bit in it. And he had, you know, some some stamps and some scrap leather. And he had a bunch of cowboy friends who were all into making gear, one of them being a saddle maker. And as I kind of got to know all those guys better and kind of struck my curiosity, I was like, well, what is that? And how do you do it? And, you know, I grew up riding and whatnot. And uh, so I, I was familiar with leather work a little bit, but never tried it. My husband brought me home one day, some uh, scrap leather and a, a little flower stamp and said, you know, you should try this. I was, a, like I said, an art major at the time. He says, I know you're artistic and I think that you would really enjoy this. And I tried it and I was just hooked from there. I had always kind of been seeking like a useful outlet for my art. And it was kind of the perfect 
the perfect thing I, I was needing because, you know, painting and drawing, I love that. But it was just, I don't know, it wasn't, wasn't doing it for me. So I dabbled a little bit in leather work through college and I did a little bit of beadwork as well. And the beadwork is what actually really got me into the leather work kind of later down the road. Um, I found a bead loom at Goodwill one day and I was like, oh, I kind of want to try this. So I tried it. Um, and then that kind of evolved into, well, I really want to make a beaded belt for myself. And that evolved into, well, now I need tools and I need to learn how to actually do this. So um, mostly self-taught, you know, some of my cowboy friends helped me throughout the years, kind of, you know, teach me how to stamp this or tool that. Yeah, mostly self-taught through vintage Al Stolman books and YouTube. And uh, it just kind of evolved from there. After college, we, you know, moved around a lot from different ranches and worked in different states. And I just kind of would pack up all my leather stuff and my little slab of granite that I tool on and just kind of tool from, you know, wherever we were. And I didn't really turn it into a business until I'd say uh, 2014. And the stuff I was making at the time was I look back on it now and it it totally makes me cringe. But <laughs> I I would just kind of post it on Instagram just for fun. And then people started offering me money for it. And I was like, well, I think I could do this. You know, it, it just kind of evolved from there. It's kind of a cool way for me to make some extra money on the side while I was also, you know, day working uh, with my husband and working on different ranches and stuff. And it's, it was nice because I, I didn't have to drive all the way to town to get a job. Um, so I kind of, you know, thought, well, maybe I should give this a go. And that's kind of how it, how it evolved. Um, I've been doing it, you know, selling stuff since 2014. So, well, thank God for the internet, right? <laughs> Connecting yeah. us in all the ways. Yeah, I really do credit, you know, my success as a business and my ability to like actually earn a living doing this to the internet and Instagram, especially. It's, it's uh, such a cool time to be a maker. For sure. Well, and there's such an appreciation for it. Like I just, when I need like a pick me up, you know, and I want to like be inspired and look at things like I go to Instagram and I can scroll through your feed and just look at all the beautiful, amazing things you make. And like, I think people really appreciate that, you know, whether they're going to buy or not, but someday they will, because you look at it long enough, you can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's, I have a lot of fun with all the social media stuff and also like going on there and seeing other makers and stuff. It's just so inspiring and such a cool platform. Why Magpie West? Like, where'd the name come from? Funny you ask. I actually just did a big post about this on my Instagram. I was on another podcast a couple weeks back, and she asked me the same question, and it totally caught me off guard because I just have never really thought to explain it to anyone. Um, but back in the day, I used to be K Bar C Leather Co., and I used that name for a long time. I think I just rebranded in 2019, I believe. I just felt like I kind of outgrew the name and I got married. So Casey, they weren't my initials anymore. And so I was just kind of looking for something a little more unique that kind of captured like my style. And I just I wanted something that kind of embodied like a feeling of home and a warm kind of feeling. I don't know why I gravitated towards that feeling. But um when I kind of sat down and thought about it, we, my husband and I had moved around so much working on different ranches and, you know, different jobs in the Western industry from Oregon to California, Nevada, Montana. And I just felt like every time I saw a magpie, I really felt like I was home. Like, I mean, that's not really a specific place or a specific state, but it's just kind of a feeling of like that great basin ranch life, like the high desert that we come to love and call home. And so, um, yeah, the magpie just, I don't know. It reminds me of just cool people I've met along the way. And 
you know, pushing cows through really pretty country with good friends and stuff. And it just, I don't know, it just, it just felt right. No, I love that. Now I have the warm, fuzzy feeling. (laughs) Well, can you walk us through a typical day for you? Sure. Yeah. Typical day has changed a lot for me in the last couple months. I uh, had my daughter in May, so that kind of like tipped my world upside down. Yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I I got back into the shop off of maternity leave in, I want to say like August. So, Um, but usually, you know, I have my daughter with me every day, all day. I don't really have any childcare. We live pretty far out, like an hour, hour and a half from like civilization. So that can be challenging, but she's with me every day. um, Just kind of playing on my floor in the shop here. So yeah, I, I kind of you know, have to tend to her first, obviously, in the day and make sure her needs are taken care of. And I usually get into the shop around nine-ish, sometimes 10, just, you know, depending on mom life and (laughs) stuff like that. I don't have a super strict structure in my shop. I try to just kind of like feel it out. If I'm, you know, in the mood to paint in the morning, I'll do that. I, I try to do get a quick sketch done in my sketchbook just to like make sure I'm like always working on the fundamentals and like staying sharp as a technical artist. I think that's something that is like a ever evolving thing. It's not really something that you uh, are ever done with. Um, So that's really important to me, just making sure I, I get that in, get that practice in every day. And then usually I am working on pieces for my monthly shop updates I don't really do any custom work anymore just because life is crazy and I wish I could clone myself and so I could get custom work done. But I just, (laughs) you know, between having a kid in here and all the different hats I wear, I just, I don't have time for custom work anymore. But it's, it's kind of a blessing, you know, it gives me a lot of creative freedom. So yeah, usually I'm in the shop on and off all day, um, some days more than others, but I try to cram a lot of my work into nap time. (laughs) Uh, That's what's going on right now. We're taking a nap right now. So it's a good window for this little chat. But um, yeah, but just working on different pieces for my monthly shop updates. Like I said, um, I spend a lot of time working on like marketing. I really, I'm kind of like a nerd. I, I really enjoy like the marketing side of things and like web design and, you know, all that social media strategy. So I probably spend about an hour a day working on that. If I'm lucky, I'll have a sitter and in the afternoon I can go out and do a little bit of work with my husband on the ranch. I can go ride. Right now I'm not really doing much of that at all because we're in Montana. So it's, it's pretty bitter out. So it's definitely the season where I don't mind being in the shop. But Summers definitely look a lot different for me. I'm, you know, probably only in the shop about three days a week. And I try to really like hammer out a lot of work in the winter and get the things done I need to get done um, in those cold months so I can really go out and enjoy, you know, have a little bit more freedom outside the shop. So yeah, every day kind of looks different. You know, some days I'm driving a long way to get to the post office and uh, shipping orders all day or, you know, answering emails and doing some of the stuff that's not too fun, but (laughs) (laughs) the necessary business items. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. All that good stuff. I'm curious, um, especially since you and your husband both kind of work on the ranch, do you make like pieces of tack or maybe your spur straps, like, or those pieces of leather or things that you kind of play with and have made for yourselves? Yeah. When I started out, I made mostly like using gear, um, mostly just for us because we were too poor to afford any nice stuff. 
Um, but yeah, I do. I, I still make, I really enjoy making spur straps. I sell a couple spur straps and belts, you know, here and there, but I mostly just make like tack and stuff for us. I also really enjoy like supporting a lot of my maker friends. And so I really try to like, instead of, well, well, I could save the money and just make it myself. I would rather like go to my really good friend, Sierra and buy a beautiful head stall. So kind of a balance of those two things, but yeah, I really do enjoy making stuff that we use you know, through the years. About every other year, my husband gets a new pair of spur straps for his birthday. So that's always fun. That's fun. I love that. Well, do you know of a common misconception that people might have about, you know, working with leather or being an artist in the way that you are? And can we bust it? Yeah, I would say a pretty common one that I've really struggled with through my journey is that um, this kind of old school train of thought that you cannot make a successful living as an independent artist or that, you know, you'll never make it or the, the starving artist mentality. I think, you know, a lot of the older generation, like, you know, my parents' generation and stuff, I think a lot of them are just raised thinking like, if you don't go to college and become a, you know, a banker or a lawyer, or you know, get a, a successful like nine to five like that, that you're not going to make it. And you're just like kind of a joke. I will say that I think it's getting a lot better, especially like I've seen a huge shift in the last five years of like this whole, um, kind of makers like Renaissance. I think it's just a lot more supported now. And I'm really, really grateful for that because it's a great time to, you know, be a maker. And, you know, that's like the whole thing of you can't be successful and, you know, you're going to be a starving artist. That's really not true, honestly. You know, if you have the grit and you're willing to work for it, like especially today, people are so, so into shopping small and really buying handmade. And especially in the Western industry, I'd say, um, we're pretty lucky to have, you know, such a cool culture and in this industry that really, really values handmade. So yeah, I'd say that's a total myth. You know, you can do it. If, if you really have your, you know, your heart set on it, you put hard work into it, you can totally be successful and make a, a great living as a, you know, independent artist or a maker. So true. Amen to all of that. Um, and especially people who are latching on to supporting these makers and supporting these small businesses. And I think a big part of that that you kind of talked about as well is, yes, you're a talented artist. Um, you're talented with your leather craft, but also you really enjoy the business and the marketing side of it. And I think seeing that influx in makers and like having them really dive into like perfecting the business side of their craft is also huge, right? Like there's a huge shift there too, which is amazing. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's been um, I mean, there's so much more education out there now versus just when I started, like, you know, back in 2014, like I had I mean, there was nothing. It was just kind of the beginning of that. So it's been really cool to see, you know, all the resources and stuff. And, you know, if you do your research and dive into it, like there's no reason that you can't be successful with your marketing and with your finances. And yeah, don't you know, when you go in to open up a new bank account, don't listen to the bank teller when she says like, oh, that's cute when you answer the occupation question, because that, that's happened to me before. And it's, <laughs> oh, gosh, it's been, uh, you know, you tell people what you do. And they're like, oh, like, that's, that's nice. Like, they think, you know, I, I'm a stay at home mom that makes friendship bracelets all day or something like that. Like, <laughs> you're just doing something to pass the time. But it's like, no, it's a it's a real job. And it's, you know, completely feasible. Yeah, you go, girl. I love that. <laughs> This episode of Beyond the Saddle is brought to you by The Ride, horse and rider's podcast about today's Western horse life. 
The Ride Podcast is brought to you by the Horse and Rider editorial team. Editors and co-hosts Michaela and Nicole chat about the industry's latest news and their personal horse life adventures. Then sit down to talk with your favorite horsemen and women and inspiring people of the industry who are truly living their best Western horse life. Delivered with a heavy dose of fun, The Ride is a bi-weekly podcast where Western horse lovers can get their fix. Listen to The Ride podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts or check it out on horseandrider.com. I'm sure that you've set goals for yourself kind of along the way. So my favorite question to ask is, how will you know when you've truly made it? Yeah, you know, this is a really hard question. And I've been thinking about it, you know, for the past 24 hours. And uh, I honestly, I I didn't write anything down because I just like, man, I, I really don't know. But I think that I'll have made it when I have the freedom to do the things I want to do and enjoy like family time without constantly having to worry about, Oh, I got to get in the shop and get this done and get this made. And I need to uh, sell this many pieces in order to, you know, have my paycheck this month. And um, that's a big goal of mine is to really on the business side of things, kind of create some passive income, you know, for my family and stuff. So I think that when I can spend a little more time outside of the shop and, you know, maybe take a year off leather work and just cowboy with my husband and just spend a lot more time horseback, focus a little more on my family. I think, I think that is a, you know, a good measure for me. I love it. And it sounds like you're kind of well on your way. You've got the baby there and you're, you're prioritizing her, which is amazing. Um, and your business is kind of growing itself now. I feel like you're kind of at that threshold where word of mouth is trumping, you know, your efforts too, which is awesome. That's a great place to be. Yeah. Thank you. It's, um, you know, definitely a lot of hard work to get to that point, but, um, I'm really grateful for that. It's yeah. And I feel like there's a huge, especially this year, there's, there's a huge shift happening in my business. I'm pivoting in a lot of ways, which is really exciting. Yeah. Which brings me to my next question. What's next for you or what are you hoping to do or try or learn next? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I'm, you know, in the middle of kind of this huge pivot and huge shift, I would really like to focus on, you know, things that bring me joy outside of the shop. I will always be a leather worker. I'll always, you know, sell pieces and be at Art of the Cowgirl and go to trade shows and have shop updates. Like I'll never stop making, but I've just felt this pull to just add some variety to my business and my life. I, I have a huge passion project underway. It's the Sagebrush Soul Planner. And that is something that um, has been on my heart for a long time. And I finally like, I'm just going to do it. Um, I just kind of jumped off the cliff and, (laughs) and uh, I'm just doing it. I've got, you know, my planner, I've got some, you know, maker slash leather worker education things in the, um, in the works and some pattern packs and, um, you know, just really diversifying and which is, you know, super exciting for me. Yeah, for sure. Well, I saw kind of like your soft launch of like coming soon, um, of your sagebrush soul planner, which is super fun. So you're going to like design these, like, are you hand drawing these planner pages or, I mean, what does that look like? I'm so excited to know more. Yeah. So I just kind of did the soft launch on Instagram last week. So it is a planner created specifically for Western women in mind and definitely tailored to business women and especially like working from home business women. Yeah, it'll have a lot of cool hand-drawn aspects and, you know, a little Western flair and trying to keep it, you know, timeless and really classy, but definitely still appeal to that 
that Western woman. So cool. You're fulfilling a niche and I have zero doubt that they will be gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I've had a really inspiring response to it so far. I've had a ton of people reach out and tell me it's exactly what they need. And that's, that was the reaction I was really hoping for. So it's just giving me a lot of creative energy. I'm so excited. I think about it like day and night, like it's just really filling my cup right now. So I'm really looking forward to it. Super fun. Well, we will definitely keep our eyes out and uh, put me on like your pre-order list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd love to get some advice from you. So you've kind of been through this journey of creating your own business, following your passion. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are kind of on the precipice maybe of doing the same thing. So what's one thing that you wish you had known when you began this journey? I would say a pretty big one, something that I've really learned and sometimes learned the hard way, you know, these past couple of years is that talent alone will not make you a master of your craft. Like the only thing that can do that is thousands of hours of hard work and practice. And don't get me wrong, talent will take you places, but I feel like you're really not going to fulfill your full potential unless you practice and you really like dig in and work hard at the things that you want to accomplish. That's what's going to make you great in the end. I kind of used to be one of those people that uh, thought they could skate by on talent. I like artwork and a lot of the like artistic elements of my business have kind of come easy to me. You know, I used to be one of those people that thought, you know, I don't really have to put a lot of effort into like the business side or I don't really need to practice that or I don't really need to work hard. And I really saw like myself plateau, you know, not only in my business, but just in my creative life in general. And um, that's something that I'm really like trying to better myself in this year is just like putting the hours in and getting the practice. And, you know, you're not going to get good at that trade unless you put in thousands of hours. That's just kind of how it goes. So that's definitely the biggest piece of advice I'd give is um, it takes practice. Everybody out there right now, like, I don't care if you're a photographer, if you're a horse trainer, if you're a painter, like, rewind and listen to what she just said again, because that applies to everything. Like talent is great, but those hours are what counts. That's how you become a master. Great advice. Great advice, Kaylee. Yeah. I feel like it definitely does apply to, I mean, it could apply to any trade rodeo Mm -hmm. cowboy or, you know, get wanting to get better at anything. Like nothing can replace hard work. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Um, Well, sort of in that same vein, what advice would you give to someone looking to pursue a career like yours? Invest in education. That is also something that, you know, I've been learning slowly. Um, And this, I feel like this is the first year of my career that I've really like invested in myself as an artist. Like, don't be afraid to spend the money and like sign up for that class or join that like business focus group or just always be looking for ways to better yourself. And, you know, it's okay to invest in your future as a business person and a creative and an artist, you know, it's being self-taught. I think there's, you know, there's a lot to say for that and figuring out things on your own and trial and error. Like that's definitely a huge part of the process, but you don't have to do it on your own. Like it's so awesome to have like a circle of people and mentors that you can reach out to and that give you advice and it can save you so much so much trouble in the long run and so much pain in the long run. I love that. I wish we could help our society or help the Western industry in general, or not even just the Western industry, just professionals. Um, I wish we could help them 
normalize like applauding people who do that right who invest in themselves instead of like right now I feel like the norm is to applaud people who have quote-unquote like natural talent instead of those who are like constantly improving and bettering themselves so I love that that's your advice yeah you can only get so far on your own like nobody can do it by themselves you're you're gonna need help from you know makers who've been through it or just people that have more life experience than you and there's so much value in that i'm i'm really learning that lesson this year and it's like i feel like it's it's something that's is propelling my business and i'm just i'm happy that i finally like shoved that stigma down and and just did it <laughs> Good for you. I love that. Well, you interact with people who ranch, girls who just love your pretty stuff. Like You interact with the industry in so many interesting ways. So I'd love to know, in your own words, what does it mean to you to be an equine industry professional? In my mind, I would say it means being someone who works really hard to preserve the tradition and pass on the way of life to the next generation. In leatherworking, that's important to me, but you know, in any equine profession or outlet, like from ranching to polo to show jumping, you know, I mean, rodeo, it all applies. Good, hardworking people that, you know, just have a passion for keeping it alive. And I feel like especially these days in like the social and political climate of our country today, it's now more important than ever to really like advocate for agriculture and the equine and livestock industry and just keep passing it down, making sure that, you know, those things are not lost to the next generation. And I, I don't really worry about that because I, the Western industry is full of so many amazing, passionate people that are doing that every day, which is is so cool to be a part of. You just gave me goosebumps. Okay, you, you started this interview telling me that you appreciated having the questions so that you could think about them because you're not a good speaker. And then you just laid that on me and gave me goosebumps, girl. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I love all of that. And yes, and I love how preserving the tradition in what you do, right, is so tangible and that that's exactly what you're doing. That is perfect perspective. Thank you for that. Let's talk about horses. Um, I know you mentioned a couple times that you could spend your life cowboying um, and helping your husband, and that's what he does. So tell us about what horses you have standing out in your pasture right now. I'm looking at a whole pile right now as we speak. Um, Our life, you know, revolves around horses pretty much every day and has for a, a really long time. So they're a huge part of what we do. And I'm so grateful to have good equine partners. My husband and I, at the moment, we actually, we only own three horses right now, which is the lowest number of horses I think we've ever owned. Um, (laughs) the ranch we work for has a pretty, a pretty decent size, um, cavy of horses that, you know, we get to use and work on. My husband has his own string of horses. You know, we've got everything from nasty little paint horses that'll (laughs) try to get you every morning to, you know, the best of the best solid horses that I ride with my daughter on my chest. So we're really lucky. We have a a very wide range of horses that are super important tools. Yeah. My, as far as like our personal horses go, we, we really appreciate like a working man's horse. (laughs) We're not really super into the performance horse world just because our daily life, like we need something kind of bigger and tougher that we can go get the job done on and, you know, have something like reliable. Like I really appreciate those big boned ranchy horses. That's like, I love that. That's my passion is, you know, seeking out those kind of horses. So I, my personal mare, her name is Mona. I put her on a lot of leather work just cause she's, she's my favorite, but, uh, 
she's kind of a bigger snorty Hancock lady and she's she's a character I call her a one-woman horse my husband despises doing anything on her because <laughs> they don't get along but um, her and I have been through just about everything and she's like she is my rock so I just I really appreciate a working horse. I think they're I think they're so cool. Horses bred for the ranch and to get a job done on. I really, really appreciate them. For sure. Well, it sounds like you and Mona have an understanding. <laughs> yeah, we've come to an understanding. It's taken a little bit to get a little bit to get there, you know, some trials and tribulations along the way. But um she's turned into a really, really solid horse. So I I would like to get a colt out of her. You know, maybe this next year would be exciting. So we'll see. I haven't found the right stud yet, but keep shopping. He's out there. Babies are so fun. (laughs) I know. I can't wait. I haven't had a horse baby in a long time. So it'd be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Kaylee, it's been super fun to talk to you and get to know you. Um, You've shared some really amazing advice. So thank you so much for that. I know everyone listening is probably dying to check out all of your things and all of the beautiful, um, you know, items that you make. So where's the best place that the audience and our listeners can connect with you and and check it out? Yeah. And again, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you thinking of me and my story, you know, but I would say the best place to like connect with me, check out my work, um, kind of get a feel for what I'm about would be Instagram. That's definitely my favorite social media platform. I also have a website, um, which would just be magpiewestleatherco.com. And on Instagram, I'm just magpiewestleatherco. I do have an email list you can sign up for. Most of the time I forget to send out email updates, but (laughs) trying to be better about that. I am on Facebook as well. Um, And then if you're interested in the Sagebrush Soul Planner, or you think that you know, that's something that could serve you. Um, any listeners out there, I am on Instagram at the Sagebrush Soul Planner. And uh, if you sign up for my email list on Magpie West, you'll be able to get updates like kind of as we launch. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Perfect. Yes. Get engaged. Get that uh, insider connection so you can see what's going on with Sagebrush Soul first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Perfect. I'm actually um, really trying to like incorporate the consumers into like the design process, which has been really helpful for me because I just, I feel like the best way to figure out what people want is just to ask them. So um, if you follow me there on Instagram, I do a lot of different polls and stuff like, how do you want this layout? Or would you rather have like hourly blocks in your days or, you know, so stuff like that. So you can actually kind of like be a part of the like fine tuning and the design process of the planner if you, if you choose so. Yeah, super fun. That's great. Hey, anytime people feel like they are empowered to like help make decisions, I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's fun. I always lo- I always love it when businesses do that. So I thought I'd kind of take a different approach and hopefully future customers kind of have a say in it. Yeah, that's right. From the ground up. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect, Kaylee. This has been so much fun. Um, just to sort of wrap it up, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Like the number one takeaway from the interview, just food for thought. My favorite quote, I've loved it for a long time. I have it on a like a little sticky note in my shop and it says, no grit, no pearl. I love how simple it is. And it's just like so to the point and that's something I really try to like remember, you know, in my day to day life and with my work and with my business that things in business and just in life in general, you know, it doesn't always come easy. And like without that struggle and that kind of fight, like you're not, I don't feel like you're going to have something worth having if it comes too easy and like anything truly worth having, you know, is never going to come easy. So just like embrace that struggle, I guess. I've had quite a few struggles in my business and it's just made me so much more appreciative 
of where I'm at now. So yeah, no grit, no pearl. Thanks for writing along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC. 